Hi, I'm Dr. Wamboi, and welcome to the Drag Chat. I think that the human body is intricately created, making us one of the most amazing living things on earth. In this podcast, we explore how the body works and then apply the drugs. My hope is that with this knowledge, we become better healthcare providers, whatever field of medicine you may be in, better caregivers to our patients or to ourselves. We do take medicines from time to time, don't we? All right, let's break it down. We're now at the close of this season. This is the last episode of this season one, looking at the anti-cancer drugs. Um, And as we finish up with a few classes we're going to be discussing today, I want to start by introducing our players because these players are all interconnected so that when we come to the actual drug classes, you may remember how we got here. So remember from the previous episode, we talked about growth factors and the way that the growth factor has to bind to the receptor. And usually when that happens, there's a signaling pathway that begins. And all this pathway beginning is with the ultimate goal of cell growth and cell differentiation. So the first player we are going to, um, going to mention is then some of these names, I have to say them really slow. Phosphatidylinositol or PI3K. So PI3K gets activated when the binding uh, of the growth factor and the receptor occurs. Consequently, another player joins in by being switched on, which is the AKT signal kinase. Okay, so we've gone by from PI3K. Now we are at AKT. Now, AKT will then promote cell growth and protein synthesis, and this will be driven by the next player, MTOR, M for Mary. Now, I've really simplified this because um, there's a lot that goes on in this whole cascade. There are very many events and many other players that are involved even from going from PI3K to AKT to MTOR. But I just mentioned this three because uh, the drugs that we'll be talking about will be acting specifically on these players. Okay. So do not be surprised in the future when other classes of kinases come up because, like I said, I haven't even touched all the other players that are involved in this signal um, pathway. So, of course, then the first uh, class of drugs we're going to talk about is, remember that PI3K? Well, there's got to be PI3K inhibitors because as you can imagine, if we just inhibit something that is on this pathway, then there'll be no cell growth and there'll be no cell differentiation, right? So for a cancer cell to survive, PI3K plays a role in angiogenesis and metastasis. They act like switches in the cell, turning on other proteins like MTOR, you know, like in the pathway, the AK2 MTOR, um, as discussed above. And this switching on like, uh, will then make cell growth multiplication and the triggering of development of new blood vessels. And, and the cancer cells are excited about this. So in some cancer cells, this PI3K switch is permanently on. And if it is permanently on, then we have uncontrolled growth of cells. 
enter PI3K inhibitors. And uh, some of this growth, uh, some of these drugs, obviously, what they do is to make sure that that pathway is blocked. And some of the drugs in this are idelalisib, copanalisib, uh, and uh, duvelisib, among others. And their work is to make is to switch off the PI3K to inhibit it so that the signal pathway doesn't occur and then there's no cell growth, there's no multiplication, there's no trigger of development or um, basically angiogenesis, okay? Now, some of the, some of the, com the common side effects associated with these drugs will be the decreased white blood cells, hypertriglyceremia, so the triglycerides are high, hyperglycemia, uh, and there's increased liver enzymes and the liver injury associated with this can be pretty severe. So something to pay attention to and fever. So that's the PI3K inhibitors and they're inhibiting one of the players that is in the signaling pathway when the growth factor bound to the receptor. So some other inhibitors that they have been able to come up with are the MTOR inhibitors, which is also a kinase protein. And the MTOR, what does that stand for is what you're wondering, okay? All right, so the M part uh, means mammalian or mechanistic, and TOR is target of rapamycin. You know, the first time I ever heard of drugs in this class are probably, or the ones that I'm familiar with, is, for example, serolimus that is used as an immunosuppressant when you're doing a transplant, okay? So, it's, so as you can see, it's just the same thing and just speaking something that's going to help with whatever disease state that you're taking care of, okay? So the reason why you'll see it being called M for mammalian is because the TOR, the target of rapamycin, is also found in plants, it's found in worms, it's found in flies, and they control cell growth and metabolism. And they control that in response to nutrients, um, what the growth factors, obviously the switching on, you know, the combination of growth factor and the receptor, cellular energy and stress. Therefore, this TOR is a central controller of cell growth. It's a key player, and uh, it's been shown that it plays a key role in the development, obviously, of the cells and um, of uh, human beings and aging. But it has also been implicated in disorders such as cancer, cardiovascular disease, obesity, and diabetes. So don't be surprised if you've come across um, these drugs that are ending in limas that are being used in other disease states or other dis disorders because um, they are found to be a key role or implicated in them. So in some types of cancers, this MTOR is overly switched on. Um, the activation and the activation of this MTOR obviously will promote tumor growth and metastasis. Ergo, we need to block it. We need to inhibit this protein so that we can block the cell division and angiogenesis and basically um, the cancer cells will grow because, they, I mean, they can't grow, they will die. Now, two of the drugs that you'll find here will be the temsirolimus, which is given by IV in um, injection, and the avarolimus, which is given by mouth. Now, they are both hepatically metabolized by CYP3A4. 
they are both excreted via the feces and urine. Okay. Now, the common side effects will include weakness, low blood counts. Um, your patients may talk, uh, talk of a rash or mouth sores, um, nausea, poor appetite. Again, you'll see hyperglycemia and high levels of cholesterol and um, liver enzymes uh, being increased. So, Keep in mind, uh, the only reason, uh, you, you know, you'll come across like other drugs that are like sirolimus, but then the ones that have to do with the cancer that we, uh, we're going to talk as far as the cancer is concerned is the temsirolimus and the evorolimus. Okay. So those are the players that were, were in my pathway, um, the signaling pathway once my growth factor has bound to my receptor. We now move on to something else that has nothing to do with my growth factors. And <laughs> this one is the proteasome inhibitors. Now, from basic biology, you remember that the proteasomes, they are tiny barrel-shaped structures that are found in all cells. And their work is to help break down proteins in the cell into, that, that, that the cell doesn't need into smaller parts. So the proteins that the cell does not need, the proteasome's work is to break them down into smaller parts. So then the cell can either use these smaller parts to make new proteins that it needs. See how efficient our bodies are? No waste, no waste, okay? Uh, so proteasome inhibitors, so if they're proteasome inhibitors, then what are they blocking? They are blocking these barrel-shaped structures from breaking down these proteins that your cell does not need. So if I block that, then there will be a buildup of unwanted proteins in your cells because they can get broken down, right? And they cannot be used up, right? So now this buildup of unwanted substances will make the cancer cells die. And the drug here is botezomib, uh, and it is used in, um, to treat myeloma is where you'll see it. And the common side effects associated here are nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. And this can be pretty severe, so, but not in all patients, obviously, but it can be pretty severe. Uh, you'll also see dizziness, loss of appetite, tiredness, and weakness. Um, and that is your prote proteasome inhibitor. We then move on to another class here, and this is the histone deacetylase inhibitors, sometimes are referred to as HDAC inhibitors. So let's go back in our memories and go to DNA, just so that I can, we can break down this histone deacetylase even before we inhibit it. Let's first figure out what this histone deacetylase is, right? So remember, DNA is tightly packed. Now, histones are the proteins found in the cell nucleus, and their work is to package and fold the DNA. So the DNA, it wraps itself around the histone protein, pr proteins, and they form nu nucleosomes. Uh, and then these are then compacted to, make, to form the chromatin. Just trying to remind you, you know, even from season one, I think we talked about the cell cycle and the chromatin, right? So now histone is basically like think of the spool and thread. Histone is basically the spool and DNA is the thread and it, the DNA wraps itself 
um, tightly around the histone. Okay, so histone deacetylation is the removal of the acetyl group, and this is done by enzymes. In this case, histone deacetylase. Right. So now, histone deacetylase inhibitors. So these inhibitors, what they are inhibiting is the enzyme. Okay, so they block the removal of the acetyl group histone deacetylase inhibitors. So no acetyl groups are going to be removed. And this results in the accumulation of these acetyl groups. And this accumulation is going to alter chromatin structure and, trans and transcription, uh, transcription factor. And this will activate, or this activation is going to lead to the termination of cell growth and apoptosis. Now, HDAC inhibitors usually are used in hematologic cancers, and they include drugs like belinostat, panobinostat, um, vorinostat, and they are hepatically metabolized, and they're excreted via the urine and feces. And the most common side effects are diarrhea, fatigue, low blood clouds, especially the platelets, okay, particularly those. So staying on with the DNA, let's look at another class of drugs that does target uh, DNA methylation. So basically the HDACs and this DNA methylations, we are concentrating not only in the DNA, but enzymes that are involved in this DNA, right? So this methyl-DNA methylation is basically a transfer of a methyl group to cytosine. And this transfer is made possible by an enzyme. You know, I feel like I'm giving uh, <laughs> a commercial when I say this is made possible by, but um, so an enzyme called DNA methyltransferase. So the DNA methylation why is it even necessary? Why does that even happen? It happens because it's involved in gene regulation and it's also involved in the differentiation of the cell, you know, whereby a cell uh, differentiates and it's going to, when it grows up, it's going to become a distinct cell like your uh, skin cell, right? So that's what this DNA methylation is important for, gene regulation and cell differentiation. Now, in cancer cells, this balance is disrupted. And then there's hypermethylation, a lot of it. Or, and the hypermethylation, when there's too much methylation, too much transfer of the methyl group, can lead to tumor suppressor genes being inactivated. So just like that gene says, it's a tumor suppressor. It suppresses tumors. So if it is inactivated, then the tumors are not suppressed. So clearly, we need to reverse this. And what did we do? We got some DNA hypomethyl hypomethylating drugs, and they work by inhibiting that enzyme that is involved in transferring that methyl group. The DNA methyltransferase, which is sometimes uh, referred to as DNMT enzyme. And the two drugs we're talking about here are what? Decytabine and azacitidine. They both inhibit that enzyme DNMT.
though there is one that is in clinical trials right now, it's called a guadecitabine, which is actually a prodrug of decitabine. And the reason why we're excited about it is because it has a longer half-life. So it's got, uh, it has it uh, will inhibit the DNMT. It will be prolongation of the uh, inhibition of the DNMT. Well, let's just stick with what has already been approved, which is the decitabine and azacitidine. Now, these ones are not metabolized by the CYP enzyme. So there's no CYP450. They actually undergo hydrolysis. Where, and the azacitidine is cleared really quickly from the plasma and has, and because of that, rapid clear, uh, clearing it has a half-life of about 41 minutes and excreted via the urine while the cytobine has a half-life that is about the same 37 to 47 minutes also excreted via the urine most common toxicities from both of them are myelosuppression uh, seen as neutropenia and thrombocytopenia, and the GI uh, or gastrointestinal toxicities observed, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and constipation. So we move on to something called hedgehog pathway blockers. Now we leave the DNA and we go to yet another pathway. So hedgehog pathways, they play a role in the development of organs and tissues during the embryonic and postnatal uh, stages. You know, when I hear of hedgehog, I think of Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, that TV show. Well, I guess you wouldn't know if you don't have small children. Well, you'll get there. So this pathway regulates cell growth and differentiation in embryogenesis. So you're thinking if it's in embryogenesis, uh, doesn't that mean that adults shouldn't be involved because it's in the embryo that there's a problem? True. However, in an adult, this pathway is inhibited. Um, but in, however, in, the, in some cancers, this pathway gets activated. So it's supposed to be inhibited because I'm no longer an embryo, right? But in some cancers, this pathway gets activated. So, of course, we have to come up with drugs that are going to do what? Block this pathway that is activated in them. So, hedgehog pathway blockers are, desi are designed to switch up this pathway and to stop the growth of the cancer. You will see this in uh, the basal cell cancers. Uh, they're associated with mutations in this pathway. And the drugs that are out there that we are using that are hedgehog pathway blockers, blockers are... Vismodegib, Vismodegib and Sonidegib. See, they did use that Sony part, the Sonic the Hedgehog. They did. Uh, so the Sonidegib is a selective pathway inhibitor and it will bind to and inhibit um, something called the, the it will it's bind and and inhibit the the pathway um, that is involved in the hedgehog signal transduction. All right. So just remember, hedgehog pathway blockers are, you will only, I mean, no, hedgehog, the hedgehog path, pathway, you will see it in embryogenesis. However, in some adults, in some cancers, this pathway is activated and these drugs are there to block that activation. Um, 
So then I'll come, so then, so studies are underway for malignancies like medulloblastoma, pancreatic cancer, multiple myeloma, and prostate cancer, where we can see, are these hedgehog pathways on when they should be off? Okay. So we're going to come to our final uh, drug class, and this is the chimeric antigen receptor T-cell, or for short, CAR, C-A-R, T-cell. Now, this is utterly amazing. Listen to how this works. So we go to our patient and we remove their blood. Once we get the blood out, we separate it. We separate the T-cells out. So, so we remove the T-cells from their blood. Then we take these T-cells and take them to the lab and we re-engineer them or turbocharge them, right? By, um, so by the DNA being introduced into them to produce like a chimeric antigen receptor on the surface of these T cells. That's what we're, so we are turbocharging them, right? We're making them to work even better than they usually would. So now these turbocharged T cells are what we are now calling the CAR T cells. So then we multiply them. Once we multiply them, we take this turbocharged T cells and we infuse them back into the patient, okay? So then um, in the body, they'll multiply again and attack the target antigen. Because remember, T cells are uh, specific. They have an, a specific antigen that they are going after. Seriously, doesn't this sound like straight out of some sci-fi movie? <laughs> You know, we remove the cells and then we turbocharge them and then we put them back. Totally amazing. Okay. So the approved CAR T cell therapies that are out there are Tysogen Lecluzol, Axicaptogen Clelelusol, Brexucaptogen Otolusol, Lysocaptogen Maralusol, and idecaptogen vicluzol. And I'm sure there are many more in the clinical trials. And maybe even by the time you, st you, st you finish listening to this, there'll be another one that's just been approved, right? Now, when it comes to toxicities, this is an important one to talk, to, uh, talk about. The, the, the biggest toxicity you'll see that has been reported is a cytokine release syndrome, which can be life-threatening cytokine release syndrome. So obviously the cytokines that are in your immune system, they're being released, right? So it has the median onset of this uh, release syndrome happening is about three days, but it can resolve in eight days. So this is whereby the cytokines are, re are released and they, what do they do? They ramp up the immune system. And what does it result in? High fever, chills, trouble breathing, severe nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, feeling dizzy, headaches, tired, fast heartbeat. Now, the and I'm sure when I say all this and I'm talking about the cytokine release syndrome in this era, I am sure you've heard about this. Doesn't it sound familiar that we are thinking we have been seeing this with COVID? And what are we treating with? What are we treating? Corticosteroids and the toxilizumab, right? So that's the biggest thing that I would like you to remember from these CAR T cells is that the cytokine, cytokine release syndrome 
it can be um, life-threatening and has been reported with these drugs. All right. So those are the last few drug. Those are the last few drug classes bringing an end to the season one of the anti-cancer drugs. Uh, keep in mind that there are new drugs being discovered. Clinical trials are underway, meaning many more drugs are in the pipeline. And like I said, by the time you finish listening to their to this study, I mean to this uh, podcast, there could be many more additions or deletions, for that matter in this repertoire of drugs. All right, folks, this has been great with anti-cancer drugs. Looking forward to season two. I am Dr. Wamboy, and thanks for listening to this episode of The Drug Chat. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Spotify, Apple podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and remember to share with your friends. Until next time, stay inquisitive. Bye.